you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Alec Ingold, the Miami Dolphins nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in 2023. And this is the NFL Report. Yeah, welcome to the Week 14 edition of the NFL Report. I'm Steve White. That's James Palmer. And you just heard Alec Ingold of the Miami Dolphins. They play Monday night as part of a doubleheader. As you can see by the rolling lights behind me, I am at Flowery Branch, the Atlanta Falcons facility. Yeah. Talk a little bit about more too. about that a little bit later on. But JP, as great of a seat as I have in my own stomping grounds, you had the best seat in the house at Arrowhead yeah. Stadium on Sunday night watching the crazy finish between the Chiefs and the Bills that resulted in mad controversy. Well, at least from the Chiefs' side, tell us from that bird's-eye view you had of that play involving Travis Kelsey and Kadarius Toney on the Chiefs that actually never really happened, I guess. Yeah, and Patrick Mahomes believes that it is ruining Travis Kelsey's legacy as a Hall of Fame player. I'm not sure if that's entirely true, but that shows you how angry what? Mahomes was postgame during his press conference. I will tell you this. I am on the Chiefs' sideline, Steve, at the 25-yard line, exactly where Kadarius Toney catches the lateral from Travis Kelsey. And in front of me, I'm watching, in my opinion, one of the greatest NFL plays unfold to win a game, well, we could say win a game. They were leaving about uh, a minute left on the clock for Josh Allen, and we know the way the end of the games between the Bills and Chiefs are every every time they match up. But this play gets called back for Kadarius Toney lining up in the neutral zone, and whew, did Arrowhead erupt. Refs, you suck. All these different things being chanted. There were three more plays that the Chiefs ran after this, but there was no way they were going to come back and gather themselves after what they went through with that play getting called back. Patrick Mahomes was, I was on the sideline watching him argue with the officials still before the game was over in a timeout, Steve, while they're still trying to figure out a way to get a first down. And they had just lost everything because once again, they have five losses this season. You could say a wide receiver making mistake in the final minutes of the game have cost them in all five of those losses. Now we will say this, what does every receiver do, Steve? When they get to the line of scrimmage, Andy Reid said, Kadarius Toney never did that. Explain it. And you'll see all across the NFL, well, actually all across every high school field, wide receivers will usually look to the line judge and say, am I good? Kadarius Toney, if you're listening to the podcast or showing the video where he's looking at the center the entire time, he never looks at the line judge and say, am I lined up properly or improperly? So that's what resulted in him lining up offside. And the flag was thrown right away. All those people screaming, refs, you suck, are acting like the refs threw it at the end of the play after the spectacular finish. That wasn't Great the point. case. But as you know, as you mentioned, JP, tempers erupted. Let's listen to head coach Andy Reid and quarterback Patrick Mahomes post-game of that big loss. I mean, it's I mean, obviously tough to swallow. Um I mean, not, not only for, for me, but just for football in general. I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that. And who knows if we win. But as I know as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. And that's why last week I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. And so, I mean, I, it, I mean they're human, man. They make mistakes. But, I mean, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something and – all I can do is go out there and give everything I have, and I'm proud of the guys because that's what we did, and it was a great football game that ended – another great football game that just ended like that. It's just tough. Very disappointed that it ended the way it did. And um, Normally, I'll get um, – I, I never use any of this as excuses, but normally I get a warning before something like that happens in a big game. Um, a bit embarrassing in the National Football League for that to take place. Steve, I really think watching Patrick Mahomes and standing on that sideline, it really, honestly, took almost the entire offensive line to hold him back after they didn't convert on that fourth down to keep him from the officials. 
I've never seen Patrick Mahomes that irritated, that infuriated. And I think it's a microcosm of what's happened with this team and the way they've shot themselves in the foot, specifically late in games. It's been their own mistakes, a lot with the receiver position. And man, did Patrick Mahomes boil over on the sideline, throwing his helmet. It all happened right in front of me. And you can tell this season is starting to wear on him a little bit as they regroup and try to go to New England and get back on track next Sunday. So to that point, JP, let's get to our annual, our weekly, I should say, Monday segment, Bigger News. The Kansas City Chiefs lose that big game to the Bills, and the Philadelphia Eagles lose to the Dallas Cowboys. So both teams in the Super Bowl last year, they're kind of falling back to earth a little bit. So James, Bigger News, the Chiefs' flaws or the Eagles' flaws? I hate to say this to my hometown team, but I, I think the Eagles' flaws are bigger right now because they consist on both sides of the ball. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. They right now, Steve, sit 23rd in turnover differential at negative four. They were third in the NFL in turnover differential last year. They protected the football. They have as many turnovers right now as they did all of last season. And that's been an issue, not just with Jalen Hurts, but you saw a fumble from each star receiver against the Cowboys Sunday night. You've seen them have issues running the football. Now, I do think they can correct some of the things that are on offense because they have so much talent. But right now, a lot of things need to be corrected on the offensive side of the ball. And when I look on the defensive side of the ball, they're not turning the football over. But also, more importantly, they can't stop anybody in the red zone. They came into that game ranked 29th. What were the Cowboys in the red zone? Three for three. They can't stop anybody on third down. They are dead last in the NFL in terms of getting off the field on third down. They are not as deep as they were up front. 70 sacks a season ago. They have 37 right now. They're middle of the pack. And they're they're having guys play a lot more snaps. There's issue at linebacker, issue at slot. I think the Eagles right now, in terms of flaws, because they consist on both sides of the ball, is a bigger deal to correct before both these teams head into the postseason. Yeah, it was weird, JP. A couple weeks ago, you were talking about how Nick Sirianni and the Eagles go over situational football so intensely great point week after week and right now it is failing in part because some of the personnel issues that you have but the bigger flaws are with the kansas city chiefs and 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 hear me out here their flaws aren't big right it's 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 not personnel even though they need isaiah pacheco back in that backfield to run the football their flaws are the same things we've been talking about all season long the wide receivers not delivering and freaking penalties. They entered this game with 15 offensive penalties in their last three games for 150 yards. So we're talking about the negative 150, but what does it do? It stops momentum, right? It goes from a second Mm -hmm. and one to a first and 16, things like that. And what happened in that game? Kadarius Toney, a wide receiver, lined up offsides to spoil a potential victory. They had drops again. But I think it is the penalties. And these are so fixable. That's why I say their flaws are a bigger issue because they have been chronic, JP, which is very unlike Mm -hmm. an Andy Reid football team. Very much so. And the issues in the red zone as an offense. Arguably the best red zone offense in football a season ago. They haven't been anywhere near that this season. And the reason I didn't pick the Chiefs is I do think, Steve, they have one of the best defenses in football still. Jeff Chitty doesn't think that. He's coming up on the show a little bit later. I'm going to argue with him about it. But I do think their flaws are on one side. Maybe they can hang hang their hat on that defense. We're going to have more on the Cowboys side of that thing, as we mentioned the Eagles earlier with Jane Slater a little bit later in the show. But Steve, also, the Bills get a massive win in this game. So real quick, in terms of the ending our bigger news situation here, how massive was this for the Buffalo Bills to come out of Arrowhead with this win? They essentially need to win out. I don't think anybody wants to play them in the postseason. They have a gauntlet of a finale to finish this season, but they still are very dangerous especially if they can find a way into postseason play. It, it was huge. I mean, look at Sean McDermott. When that came in and the cameras came in on him, he's got his hands on his oh. knees, JP. I know you were on the opposite sideline, and he just hung his head like, oh, my gosh. It was such a relief because they came into that game at 6-6. Six and six. They know that they had to win that game to get above 500 to get to remain in the playoff race. It has been a tough week. A lot of the criticism of Sean McDermott, but what he, brought, what he said at a meeting in 2019 – around the 9-11 terrorist attacks, and also a tough week for playing Von Miller, who had been accused 
of domestic violence. So it was a very exhaustive week for them. And for them to gut out a win like that, it was huge in so many different ways. And you talk about the Bills coming up. Their schedule uh, is, is no joke, just like the Dallas Cowboys schedule. But here's what the Bills have coming up. Dallas at the Chargers with Easton Stick, probably a quarterback. New England with Bailey Zappi. And Week 18 at Miami, JP. That's going to be the game, the final weekend of the season. But I do look at where Buffalo is at right now. And doing this game on Sunday and talking to people on the sideline pregame, you look at where Josh Allen has been at. There's no other quarterback in the group that they're in. Even some of the teams that are in the, you know, in the hunt, in the, play, in the wild card situation and where they're at, he's the best quarterback out of that entire group. And you look at Dalton Kincaid point. and Dawson Knox on the field at the same time, even though Stephon Diggs wasn't, well, let's just say it. He was shut down by Legarius Sneed, who had a great game. They were still able to move the Again. football. James Cook was dynamic in catching the football and running the football. And the defense played really well against Patrick Holmes. They didn't play their best game, and they still beat the Chiefs. That's why I think they're so dangerous. Well, let's talk about the quarterback position a little bit further. Coming up, we got the coach, David Shaw, with us. We're going to talk about Joe Flacco, Steve. We're going to talk about Jake Browning. We're going to talk about the Denver Broncos, where he did extensive work on that oh. organization when he was looking at a head of coaching opportunity. But Joe Flacco, can, what can he do in the postseason? David Shaw coming up next. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve Weiss with you. You are taking a look at the AFC playoff picture. And I'm looking, Steve, right there at those teams in the hunt. You have the Texans and the Broncos and the Bengals and the Bills and the Chargers. And right there, 7-6, and six, the Denver Broncos, one game back of the Kansas City Chiefs right now in the AFC West. They only have one game remaining on their schedule versus a team with a winning record. And we bring in the coach, David Shaw, right now. And, Coach, you know a lot about the Denver Broncos. You were doing extensive work on that organization this offseason. What stands out to you most with what Sean Payton has done, specifically with his quarterback, from what you saw a season ago with Russell Wilson to what you're seeing right now in December football with Russ? Yeah, good to see you guys. And as you said, doing that extensive work, going back and watching a lot of film, watched the entire season, like everyone has, saw last year. You saw a disjointed offense, a talented but disjointed offense, and a very young and athletic defense uh, that was able to rush the passer, stop the run, make plays on the ball. You've got an elite corner uh, and Pat Sertan, uh, the second there. Um, and then this year, what you're seeing now, you're kind of seeing that Sean Payton effect. And I'm a firm believer that you don't really know each other as a coaches and players until you've been through the fire. And that fire was early in the year. Mm. Uh, miss, you had some poor play at a terrible game against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, what you've seen since then is Russell going back to being Russell. Very efficient. They're running the ball. They're using the play action. He's got big playmakers at receivers on the outside. You've got a health, healthy Javante Williams, which is huge for them. And you've mm -hmm. seen Russell now take off and get first downs with his legs. Buy some time and make those plays down the field. He's got two big-time receivers, but he's also got an elite downfield arm that he's always had. So now you're seeing all of those things work together. And one of the biggest things to have in December is momentum. They're playing well. Uh, mm -hmm. You watch them, as I, as I like to say, they're walking on their toes, right? Everybody's walking on their toes. They're playing with confidence. And they feel like they can walk into any stadium across the league and win games. And that's huge when you get into December. And I still believe all those struggles early in the year, I think once they fought through those and now they've, they've built on those, on those difficulties, now the relationships are stronger. Now they're playing with more grit and more fire. Um, defensively, Ooh. I can't say enough about the, the change from early in the year to now. Coordinator and players yeah. have found each other and they're playing with a lot of confidence. This is one of the most dangerous teams in the league right now. 
as you said earlier, this is one of those teams that nobody wants to face if they get in the playoffs. Yeah, Coach, they've won six of their past seven. That defense in that span is allowing about 14.8 points a game. But I want to get your perspective of this as a coach. Sean Payton, we're, we're used to him coaching Drew Brees, right? Drop back type of guys. You said he's letting Russ be Russ. That's moving a little bit, doing some things with his legs. As a coach, how do you tell yourself, I've got to kind of break what I like to do and get my guy going while you're in the middle of the season game planning for upcoming opponents? That's a great question. I love the way you asked it, too. So in my belief, your system has to be flexible. And I know Sean Payton very well. There are things that he loves to do. But part of that is what we, what can the quarterback do and what's he comfortable doing? So you give him so give him some freedom. So that's a big part of early on in the season is finding out where you know, Russell find out himself. Okay, where, where do I have my freedom and where do I not have my freedom? I know Sean's very direct. He's very straightforward. Here's what I need from you. But then also, here's what you can do. And you're seeing that now. Russell's not turning the ball over. He's not taking chances. He's biding time. He's throwing the ball down the field. He's putting the ball in safe, safe areas. He's scrambling for first downs. Um, he's gotten in great shape because they told him that's what they needed. They needed from him to come in this year in great shape. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it all now. You're seeing that high efficiency come back again. You're seeing the running game come back again. Uh, you're seeing these two receivers that are dynamic receivers now getting multiple opportunities down the field because you've got to help each Javante Williams. You can run the ball. You can use the play action. And Russ now doing what Russ does, putting up to the end zone. These amazing throws with great air. And I'm an old receiver. I love to see that ball floating in the air, the tight spiral. Give it to me and let me do something with it. And uh, I, I'm just seeing that from Russ, from those, those Super Bowl teams that he had in Seattle. Uh, you're seeing that type of play from him, but you're seeing it as an entire team, much like in Seattle. Great defense, running game, big play receivers, and an efficient quarterback who's making plays with his legs. This is a fun team to watch. Good point. It really is. I've been in that locker room, Coach, a lot over the last couple of weeks, and they really have thrived on this new physical identity that they've established on both sides of the ball, and they're really embracing their physical style of play. Let's go to Cincinnati now and look at Jake Browning. And you know him from high school. You know him from college. You've watched him for a long time. I love the way they're setting up to succeed and what Zach Taylor and, and Brian Callahan are doing. What are you seeing from what Jake is doing? And are you surprised by any sense? Because some people are, but you've seen a lot of them for a long time. Yeah, I can't say that I'm surprised. Jake was one of those guys, and, and don't get me wrong, High school success and college success do not, does not mean NFL success. Um, but what you're looking for, you're looking for those translatable skills. First and foremost, translatable skills for a quarterback, quick release and accuracy. That's what you see from this guy. He's got a quick release. It's accurate. Um, he's not a great athlete, but he's a good athlete in the pocket. You see him slide and make some adjustments. He made two plays in that game yesterday where he's kind of backing up, backing up, getting out of trouble, and then, and then laying the ball in a nice place for a guy to make a play. Now, Play calling wise, you mentioned Brian Callahan. I know Brian really well. We communicated last week. Uh, they're taking care of him. They're running the ball. They're, they, they're throwing screens and putting the ball mm -hmm. in safe locations. But what he showed in that game, too, is he will throw the ball down the field with touch and accuracy also. It's, it was a shame one of those uh, touchdown passes got called back, but it was a beautiful back shoulder throw uh, in the back of the end zone to Higgins. But uh, there, he's finding Chase. He found Chase underneath. He found Chase down the field. So now he's got a couple of big weapons. Uh, they're taking care of play calling wise. They're playing really well on defense. This is now one of those teams that was in the doldrums a couple weeks ago because they lost their starting quarterback. Now uh, Jake's giving them some life again. Like, hey, he can find our big time receivers. He cannot turn the ball over. Uh, we can trust him in crunch time situations on third down. And uh, we trust him in the red zone to make those big time throws. So he doesn't have to put the team on his shoulders. They're playing great defense and running the ball. And they've got two premier receivers. As the great Steve Young once said, all the quarterback has to do is deal the cards, and this is that kind of quarterback that can do that in that offense. Well, he's, abs he's absolutely dealing, and the fact that I think he's been with them since training camp, and he got to really throw a lot of balls to them because Joey B was out with that calf injury may have helped with some of that chemistry when he had to be put in there, Coach. But let's go to a guy who got off the couch, and this is amazing what Joe Flacco is doing with Cleveland. And looking, yeah. and, and looking what he's done. Because they're rolling the pocket. He's just not sitting back there like a statue like so many people thought. Why has he been so successful and moving forward, looking what they like to do offensively? Why do you think this can work? Well, looking at the history of Joe Flacco from college to the NFL, two things you know. Number one, he's a tough son of a gun, right? That's number one. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. a tough son of a gun. 
Number two, he's had success at every level in big-time moments. Uh, this guy in, in playoffs and Super Bowls, uh, big games, college and pro, this guy has shown up and played now. He's got the experience. You're talking about another team that had, that plays really well up front, that has some, some weapons uh, at, at receiver and tight end, and plays great defense. This guy can come in and say, hey, I can make those three, or three to five throws a game that are big-time throws that I need to make for us to win a game. Uh, and now playing in difficult conditions. He did that in Baltimore. He did that in college. So it's no big deal to him. This is an exciting signing for me. And it wasn't a, wasn't big news early on other than him coming off the couch was that this is the kind of team similar to that Baltimore team that he led to the Super Bowl uh, that he can come in and just be himself and play his role and maybe make a deep run into the playoffs with his, with his Browns team. He also coaches maybe the best neck beard in all of football. I have a real quick because I've heard this from so many different people around the league. He throws, and I want your expert opinion on this, in all honesty. I've talked to receivers. I've talked to coaches. Just the natural ability to throw the football. He's one of the best natural throwers of the football a lot of people I've talked to have ever seen. What do they mean by that? Uh, so I've got some experience here, right? Coaching the great Andrew Luck, uh, coaching Rich Gannon, these guys that just they place the ball. And once again, being an old receiver, I can always mm -hmm. see it. The ball is not a hard ball. It's not always a flat fastball, right? Receivers don't like those. Those jam a lot of fingers. It's when the ball has a little bubble on mm -hmm. it, a little arc on it, and it's placed, right? Whether you're running down the field and it's an over-the-shoulder catch or it's right to me and it's thrown on one peck or the other with a little bit of an arc, but it's placed. And I, 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 I can't, it's akin to me throwing darts. A guy that can throw darts and just place okay. it where you want it to be placed. It's not hard to catch. It's easy to catch. There's not a lot of wobble on it. You know, forgive me, Peyton Manning, for saying that, but it's not a lot of wobble <laughs> on it. It's a tight spiral, right? So, so you, you don't have to like frame it big. You can frame it small, and the ball just and and usually there's that sound when you catch a ball from a quarterback like this. It's just a right. That's just the catch. It's just a nice soft ball that you can catch and run after the catch. So, um, I'm excited for the for the Browns. I know a few people there, and I know they're excited to have them and. Uh, this could be another team that's fun to watch in yeah. December and maybe beyond December. That's so cool. I, I just wanted to get that take. I've heard receivers that have caught the ball. They're just like, it's a joy to catch a ball from Joe Flacco. It's just kind of interesting from your opinion. Now, how about to one last quarterback? And I want to kind of circle this back to where we started. You talked about the work that you did on the Denver Broncos organization. So kind of put that hat on again. And if you're looking at the Chicago Bears and you're somebody that I don't want to put anybody out of a job right now, but if they end up making a coaching change and you've been evaluating Justin Fields and you want to really kind of just take a deep dive into the quarterback you could potentially be inheriting, how would you go about that evaluation process? So the big thing for me, uh, starting with quarterbacks, you're looking for the you're looking for his mechanics, right? Are there big errors there? There's not a lot of okay. bad mechanics here with, with Justin Fields. He's got, I don't know if it's elite arm strength, but it's really, really good. Um, what you have with Justin Fields is every game he shows up, he's the best player on the field. He's the best athlete on the field. They can't catch him. He's got speed and explosion. He's doing a great job taking care of the football uh, in, in this, this second half of this year. Um, you're seeing him use his, use his weapons. Uh, I love what they're doing on offense right now. They're using uh, uh, DJ Moore in a variety of ways. We're finding different ways to get involved. They've got Kyle Clement. He's a very good tight end. Um, but when you look at Justin Fields, you see extreme athleticism, you see extreme playmaking ability, uh, and you see an offense now that's built around them. And, and I, I feel the same way you do. Uh, we I watched this team the other day, and I think the Detroit Lions are a playoff team. And they were dismantled mm -hmm. by this Chicago Bears team. This Chicago Bears team looked like a playoff team. They played great defense. They took away the weapons, uh, those multiple weapons there at Detroit. They came back on offense. They made big plays in the passing game. There was a lot of ingenuity on the offensive side with reverses and fake reverses and, and, and funky screens. Uh, and then you've got a quarterback that when he drops back, if nobody's open, he's going to get you a first down. And what I love about what Justin's doing is he's protecting himself. He's not taking those big hits like he kind of did early on his rookie year. Hey, don't take those big hits. Get the first down. Get out of bounds. Get to the sideline. Step out of bounds. And we got a, no, a new set of downs. So you're looking at a team that a few weeks ago, people had given up on Justin People have given up on Eberflus. It's going to be a whole mm -hmm. new regime. Now you're looking at them. They look like a playoff team right now. And they now do. they hold they Ooh. hold the keys to the draft next year. So do you say, do they take another quarterback? Has Justin shown you enough? Like, gosh, if we address the offensive line, get a little bit stronger there and give them two more weapons, now are they a deep-run playoff team as opposed to looking like a playoff team? So it's a fascinating thing. I think it's one of the most intriguing things in the NFL going forward. 
through the end of the year and then beyond the end of the year, what do they do in Chicago? Because this young man, he changes the, 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 the game. He has the ability to change the game with his legs and his arm, and he's taking care of the football, and he's taking care of himself. So I think it's very exciting to see what they will do in Chicago. I know, Coach, you sit back oh. and you say to yourself, why did it take so long for them to figure this out? Because you watch how they're scheming him up. It is fantastic what they're doing. He is playing with incredible confidence, and I think part of this is because he trusts his defense to make a play. So if he takes a risk and they're three and out or whatever, they can come back. You know, the defense is going to make a stop and give him another opportunity. Because the way Justin Fields is playing, and I've said this before, I would not move off of him. I would address some of those other pieces that you said. Coach David Shaw, this was absolutely spectacular stuff. Appreciate it once again. And like those receivers who catch that Joe Flacco pass, that special sound you make when you join the NFL report. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Coming back after the break. Jane Slater joins us with how big this game was for the Cowboys. And you know what we have to say to that, JP? Here we go. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but you can watch me, Steve Weich, and my co-host James Palmer on the NFL Report at 7.15 Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays on the NFL app and free streaming platforms on the NFL channel on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto TV, and other free streaming apps. It was big. We needed it. Uh, yeah, let's not sugarcoat that. We needed that. Uh, obviously, I've talked about it before. Mike talks about it, about grabbing a huge chunk of confidence and moving forward and um, being able to do that against a team like that here at home. Um, but obviously, we got to take it one game at a time. Um, as, I, as I talked about my performance tonight, as I said, yeah, I was good enough to win, but I hold myself to, to super high high standards. And um, yeah, if I play my best game, we, we, we're, we're putting up 50 out there. All right, that was Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, maybe the leader in the MVP race. And you are back here at the NFL Report with James Palmer. I'm Steve White. And now we're joined by Jane Slater, boots on the ground. She was in the house to watch the Cowboys smack the Eagles. Jane, you heard Dak oh, yeah. Prescott say they needed this win. How big was this win? Well, you hear him talk about just feeling a little greedy. My new favorite song is Tate McRae. I don't know if Nixon has shown that one to you yet, James Palmer, but it was going on in my head. They're <laughs> averaging about 41 points per game uh, at AT&T Stadium. They're 15th straight at home. But the big knock on this team is that they haven't been able to beat a team with a winning record, and they haven't been able to beat a team like the Eagles. Well, not only did they do it last night, but it wasn't even close. In fact, Jalen Hurts wasn't even able to put – a touchdown up. It was a defensive touchdown. It was two field goals. In fact, the Cowboys scored on all four of their possessions in the first half, over 150 yards and two TDs uh, before they even went into the locker room. To me, it was just they handled the Eagles. They handled them the way they needed to. And now I think it's interesting that what a fun league this is. Now we've got questions about the Eagles moving forward because of their loss to the 49ers (laughs) uh, the week before. But, you know, Dak, as he was having his press conference, they were shouting MVP, and I think he certainly has put up a case for that uh, this season. This is clearly one of his better seasons. And, look, we saw the Texas Coast offense. It was a little flat to begin with. I love seeing them finally get more and more guys involved in this offense. I think it's very clear that CeeDee Lamb is now that guy they had hoped he would be when they departed from Amari Cooper. Brandon Cooks, it took us a while to see him, but that's been working out. And I thought more importantly, what was really helping this team as we start talking about depth in the offseason. Remember, the biggest thing that hurt them last year when they went up to San Francisco was they just didn't have any offensive weapons once Tony Pollard went down. Well, now you've got Tony Pollard going. You've got Brandon Cooks. You've got CeeDee Lamb. But Michael Gallup came out last night. And so you did that against an Eagles defense that I think we can all agree is a great squad of guys. And so I don't think there's many asterisks you can put on this one. It was just a great performance for the Cowboys all around. It really was. It's the only game 
with Jalen Hurts as their starter that they did not score an offensive touchdown ever. And also, I have to say this, Jane, the lapel on the suit on Dak. Whew, I mean, it's a monster. I don't know what the la- what the width is on that, but it was huge. And it's the width that you would have on a guy that I think you're right. As I predicted, Steve, halfway through the season is yes, going to be did. the MVP yes, you conversation. Did. And what is he now? He is the MVP, essentially, in my mind. Front runner. I love the way he's played outside of the pocket, Jane. I think the added element of that and the confidence outside the pocket, I think, has been something when I talk to people down there has been added to his game. Let's talk about their biggest obstacle moving forward, right? They're on this high. Let's knock them down a perch. What's their biggest obstacle after they get this monster, monster win over Philadelphia in the division? You know, I think I was looking for these last couple of weeks because I was on the side of a lot of critics. You know, they were kind of beating up on the younger kids at the playground. They had three games in 12 days. The Seattle Seahawks, I know they just lost the 49ers, but they were an incredible opponent here. Uh, what, two weeks ago? I swear all these weeks are running together with as many games they've had. We got you. I mean, we feel DK you, Metcalf, <laughs> Thank you. DK Metcalf having the game that he had against this defense and the, and the way they were able to auto-correct in that one. The biggest struggle for them moving forward, if I'm being honest, is they've got the fourth hardest schedule in the league. I mean, they've got the Bills. They've got to travel up to New York for that one. Then they've got the Miami Dolphins. They've got the Detroit Lions, and they finish up with the Commanders. When you just pose that against the Eagles, the Eagles have got one of the easiest schedules uh, moving forward. So the Cowboys really have control of their destiny right now. They really can't mess this thing up. They need to stay forward momentum. They've been incredibly successful at home. Not as successful, obviously, on the road. And I do think as much as we look back at that Cardinals loss and we kind of scratch our heads why that even happened, I think it was a good loss for them early in the season because that's when I think it reminded them that you really can't sleep on any of your opponents moving forward. And the confidence that I'm feeling in that locker room, both on the offense and defensive side of the ball, reminds me so much of Dak's rookie season when it just felt like, how are they going to move forward without Tony Romo and the way they galvanized? I'm seeing that energy again this season. Jamie, got 30 seconds here, but the Cowboys do have a secret weapon in their place kicker. We never talk about that on that show. Yes. Brandon Aubrey, explain. You know, I love it. How many guys do you know sit at home on Sundays? Maybe this is you guys that say, I can do that. I bet you if I went and tried out, I could start on an NFL football team. <laughs> Not me. Well, he didn't do it. His wife did it. His wife I was our high school knew kicker. that he was an there you go. His wife knew he was an incredible soccer player at Notre Dame. And she said, Honey, I think you can do that. He was a software engineer here in Dallas three years ago, grew up in the Plano area. And then he had literally set an NFL record, two kicks, 59 and 60 in that game. Post game, he was asked, how far can you back it up? He said he feels comfortable at 70. So to your point, Steve, that is oh. an incredible secret weapon for the Cowboys if they could use him moving forward. Back that thing 70. up, Brandon. I love it, Jane. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jane, thank you so much. Great to see you once again. Let's go from kicking the football. Team. How about, uh, guys, real quick, to uh, punting the football, Jeff? Hangs a wobbler. Wallace settles under it at the 25, gets a block, comes to the near side, 30, spins out of one tackle, 35, along the near sideline, 40. He's at midfield. Wallace to the 40, still in his feet, 30, 20, 10, celebration time. No flags. Wallace in the end zone. Hayes in the barn, and the Ravens win it in overtime. Finish with tackle. Just screaming at the camera. I love it. <laughs> Bridget Condon now joins us. She was there on a soaky sideline. Whew. You got to tell us just before we get going what the end of that game was like in overtime, Bridget. Okay, first, James and Steve, I just caught a little bit of myself in the um, monitor, and I look like a waiter right now. I swear that this is actually a dress, um, and it's actually really cute, but I do look like a waiter. Um, but so that's distracting me just a little bit. But anyways... You know, when you oh, when it gets to the two-minute warning, we're allowed as reporters to be on the sideline, and it's amazing. Then it goes into overtime, and you're on the sideline for the best moments. After the three and out from both teams, I was like, okay, we got to get this in. I got a flight to make. Like, who's going to make a play here? And it was special teams, punt return for a touchdown. Such an exciting moment. We walked uh, to Thailand. Wallace's locker after the game and he was just smiling down on his phone he was like I have so many texts and calls from all my family and friends so it was just such an awesome moment especially when a guy who isn't talked about all the time on the team makes a huge play like that 
Yeah, Bridget, there's a great video, I think the Ravens put it out, where he is watching a replay yeah. of this return with John Harbaugh that is just amazing. I was stunned, and this isn't a shot, but that there wasn't a flag thrown. I mean, it seems like there's always a flag thrown on a big return. That's a spectacular play. The there was a block right in here. the back. Oh, there you go. Throwing a wet blanket on a great return. But, Bridget, let's move on <laughs> because the Baltimore Ravens, they re- they kept their lead there in the AFC North and their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. I mean, once again, wasn't his best game, but just stayed steady throughout and made plays. What was being said about his performance post-game? Isaiah likely told me that it's so special to play for a guy like Lamar Jackson. He said during that game, there were times he was watching and the pocket was collapsing. He couldn't see Lamar. And then he comes out of nowhere, scrambles for 10, 15 yards. He's like, I do that as Lamar Jackson on Madden. But to see that in real life is something (laughs) special for this team to hang on. I mean, we can talk about the Rams in a minute, but they should not be disappointed in this loss after, you know, yesterday. Now they need to move forward with taking the good stuff out of that because the Rams battled the entire game. They hung around and for the Ravens to make, you know, a game winning play to hang in this game. That's the importance when we're talking about December, January football. I look at it, Bridget. This is a very crowded MVP race. Uh, We argue with it every week on Monday with Jeff Chidea, no, it isn't. Lamar is right in the thick of things, guys, in my opinion. And you look at the drive that he had to take the lead with a minute to go, the 13-play drive that goes down the field, he's playing at an unbelievably high level. And you mentioned likely he goes out there and fills in for Mark Andrews very well. I think he yep. has, what, 83 yards receiving. I, that's a positive sign for this offense, as you put in a new piece, filling in a major spot. But I mentioned he drove down the field with a minute to go to take the lead. The opposing quarterback, Matthew Stafford, then drives his team down the field to tie the game. This was still a very good performance by a Rams team that is playing really, really well right now. If the Rams find a way to get into the playoffs, be careful because they are going to make some noise. They just, Matthew Stafford, the past two games, right? They played the Ravens, they played the Browns, two of the league's top defenses. Matthew Stafford has thrown six touchdowns and no picks over that span. Everyone was wondering, where's Cooper Cup been? Maybe it's over now. You know, his success, is he hurt? Is he just not playing at the same level that we've seen in in seasons past? Well, there he goes. Cooper Cup had one of his best games of the season, 115 yards receiving and a touchdown. Pukunakua making an insane catch late in this game. There are so many pieces of this offense finally clicking. That first drive, they ran nine consecutive run plays. Kyron Williams had 43 rushing yards on the opening drive of the game. So it's not just Matthew Stafford. It's the entire offense coming together, plus their defense too. The young guys and Aaron Donald, the Kobe Turner uh, making some huge plays for this team as well. I think, you know, this team finally is believing in themselves, and it starts with Sean McVay. Like I mentioned, they have a pretty winnable season here on out. Their next uh, games, Commanders, Saints, Giants, 49ers. So if they find a way to get into the playoffs with that wild card spot, watch out, because I wouldn't want to play Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely opportunities Mm -hmm. there with Seattle sliding a little bit. You don't know what's going to happen there. In the NFC East or some of the or the NFC South, those divisions. So there absolutely is a pathway there, but watch out for those Packers who play again Monday night. And you know what? You told us a great story that we're not gonna have time for, Bridget. The reason why Cooper Cup got off is maybe because the Ravens are paying too much attention to Puka Nakua, whose jersey was in demand. His favorite by player in the league. Ravens tackle Morgan Moas. That's right. Moses Puka Nakua. Bridget, thanks so much. Awesome stuff right there. And when we get back, it is time for Jeff Chidea's. First read segment, and we're looking at the division leaders. Oh, yeah, the San Francisco 49ers for – they better not be ranked number four. Jeff Tadilla coming up next on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. (laughs) 
We're back at the NFL Report with our favorite weekly segment, Jeff Chidea and his first read segment. Remember, go to NFL.com slash first read. And JP, Jeff, this is a brilliant column because, okay, you list the division leaders, but you rank them. Okay, give us the criteria for how and why you rank them the way you did. It's super scientific, Steve. It just comes down to comfort level. <laughs> Sorry, this wasn't, wasn't some kind of chemistry project that I was working on, but biomolecular physics going on. It was uh, as simple as who do yeah. I think is in the best position in their division to win the division? And so that's how I came up with the idea of ranking them because ultimately some of these teams are in really good situations and some of them are in perilous situations. Uh, and we'll find out, we'll talk about this more, but certainly there's teams you look at right now and you say, there's no way they're not going to lose a division given where they're at right now. Okay, so on that note, a team we haven't really gotten to today, they had a, another impressive win. The San Francisco 49ers, where do you have them ranked and why? Number one, for, for that very reason. They are immediately <laughs> yeah. in the best the spot in their division in the NFC West. Nobody else in that division has a winning record. They're four games ahead of everybody, and to be honest with you, they're the best team in football right now. You, you watch them play. They've won their last five games by double digits. They've beaten every significant contender they, they needed to beat, including the Cowboys and the Eagles. They've pounded the Jaguars. Their quarterback's playing at an MVP level, and they have a chip there you on go. their shoulder. So uh, it's hard to, it's hard to <laughs> pick them when you're thinking about what can hurt them. got to stay healthy. That's about it. Yep. I love that you said that. I love that you said that, Jeff. The biggest red flag is in each one of these categories for each one of these teams, and their biggest red flag is they just have to stay healthy. That's the only thing that you could think of with the way they're playing right now that could slow down this team. How about a team that is actually kind of I don't want to say skidding a little bit right now, but there's some leaks on that defense of the Detroit Lions, and we're seeing just maybe a couple They're cracks skidding. in the armor when they finished so strong a season ago, started so well, but now where they sit. Where do they sit in your group of eight? Well, they're certainly in a middle-of-pack kind of situation. I mean, they are got two games up on the Vikings. We'll see what the Packers do tonight. I actually think the Packers are probably the bigger threat, given the Vikings quarterback situation. You put but the yeah, Vikings, and I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Well, they play them twice. That's why I give it to them, because they have a chance to actually beat them head-to-head. But got ultimately, it. you're talking about, yeah, Derek Goff has not played well. Got eight interceptions in the last – uh, four games and eight, eight turnovers in the last four games. And the defense is really taking a step back. They had problems rushing the passer all season long, but now it's just they just can't stop people. You saw Justin Fields go off. Jordan Love did the same thing. And they just, they're just in a weird place right now. They're not a – they're mm-hmm. a blue-collar team. They're a tough-minded team. I think they'll come out of it. But right now, you look at where they're at. You weeks ago, we were talking Super Bowl, possibly. Now we're talking yep. about maybe one win, and that's about it for them. Yeah, and you know, Jared Goff, too. I mean, he's fumbling the football, too, Jeff. That, that's, that's another big part of it. Okay, those, those Dallas Cowboys. I mean, we know the Niners are rolling, but those Dallas Cowboys look really, really strong, Oh, they got to be Jeff. number two. Like, I mean, like, what did I say at the beginning of the show? It's based on comfort level, and they're sitting there tied with the Philadelphia Eagles, who, by the way, two weeks ago, everybody was talking about how great they were. You know, James' hometown yep. team, Howie Roseman, all the great rockers. Yeah. And now we want to throw them away. Look, yeah, I love what Dallas has been doing. Outside of San Francisco, they're playing the best football of anybody out there. They've you know, been killing people, obviously beat the Eagles, beat up on the Eagles. But really, when you think about it, you start digging into it, they've been beating up on the Commanders. They've been beating up on the Panthers, you know, beating up on the Giants. That was a huge statement win. But the Eagles just came through the Chiefs, and they came through the Cowboys. They came through the Bills. They came through the Niners. And so I think there's some of that was the Cowboys were waiting for this game. That was a huge win but for them. But seventh? You got to break seventh, Jeff? Seventh out of eight? Because Philadelphia can still win. If Philadelphia wins all their games and they're playing the Giants twice in Arizona, like, they're going to win the division. And so, I, I, again, I love the Cowboys story. They got to play Buffalo. They got to play Miami. <laughs> they got to play Detroit. I don't know if they're going to go run through those teams and not come That's out on great point. That's what I was wondering, Jeff, because what, what have we seen, right, with some of these teams that have a big game that this has been circled the entire season, and then what happens the next week, right? That's always been something that we're looking at, and that was obviously the one that the Cowboys had circled. The Philly had that game against the Chiefs circled, and then they come out, they dead it, but then they start stumbling a little bit afterwards. Sometimes when you have that, and then you have to go to Buffalo after that, when we've seen Dallas be so good at home, 
The road is a different story. Buffalo's desperate and very talented. That is a game I want to keep an eye on, and maybe that'll change your rankings. I don't know if you do this next week. I'm not sure. <laughs> How about the team in the city that you live in, Jeff? I'm not sure if it's still standing right now, oh. but there are tears falling <laughs> from the faces of players and coaches yeah. uh, that why have we been wrong so much? The Kansas City Chiefs, where do they rank right now? Because they have a one-game lead. Yeah. I repeat, well, a one-game lead over the Denver yeah, Broncos. They have not been in this situation since Patrick Mahomes has been their quarterback in the division. They have not, but seven straight uh, division championships and a lot of Tony, Tony, Tony jokes out there th- uh, today. <laughs> no, <it's a> lot. <laughs> it doesn't feel good. It does, it does not feel good. Get it again. <laughs> yes. uh, but but it, it's, a, it's, it's a rough go for them. And Brown, to me, I, I feel like what's really alarming about them right now and what's scary is that their defense is taking a step back. The offense is what it is now. I mean, I'm tired of trying to explain it and trying mm-hmm. to talk about You're how right. it's going to improve because of the quarterback and the coach. They're just not a very good offense and really a really bad offense in the second half of games. But their defense, last three games, have given up double-digit leads, down 14-0 to the Buffalo Bills this past week. You just can't do those kind of things when you're playing offense the way they've been playing it. And I really think the whole meltdown by Mahomes, that's a really big red flag for me because this is the first time you've seen him really come undone. And it wasn't about that call. It's about everything that's been going on with this team. Yep. So I, I don't know if Denver can catch them because they need to have the Chiefs lose twice. But, man, it's been a long mm-hmm. time since we talked about anybody being close to this team in this division this late in the season. Yeah, I'm with True. you, Jeff. I think, I think Mahomes is just totally frustrated because the receivers – and the damn penalties. They're just, <laughs> the penalties are absolutely insane. Oh, but they angry keep doing offensively. I, I'm just tired of it. It's the same thing we've been talking about. <laughs> it's the same you know, people. week two. <laughs> the same guys. The same guys. All right, Jeff, let's get back to the rankings, though, because this is a team we, we thought that they had their division on lock and the slope has all of a sudden gotten slippery in the AFC South for the oh. Jacksonville Jaguars. Where do you have them ranked? And what are their red flags or, or what are the positives to them finish, finishing atop this division? Yeah, I mean, they're down at six right now. I mean, they, they certainly are in a place where you didn't know. But again, a few weeks ago, you would have said they're going to cruise to this. They had the easiest uh, schedule in football of all the teams who are division leaders. They were, I think, had nine, they were nine, they had nine wins at that point. They, they were really feeling good about themselves. And at this stage, man, it's like I don't know what to really expect from them. I, I think it's a uh, – Trevor Lawrence getting hurt is a big part of this, but their defense hasn't played well. We gave up mm-hmm. 34 no. to the Bengals, Not at 31 all. to the Browns. Backup quarterbacks we're talking about, Joe Flacco and Jake Browning doing this to them. And so I've always been a little bit uneasy about this. We joke about this um, all the time about Trevor Lawrence and uh, you know, Travis ATN, all the guys down there not being dominant. But this is really a point where they got to start showing, hey, they can yep. handle some of this adversity now because right now they're really in a tough place and, I don't know, man. Eight and five right now. You look at uh, the Texans on their heels, the Colts on their heels. They, c- they cannot afford to slip up anymore. Jeff, I felt like it was yesterday. We were all going, the Jags are about to play a game, and if they win it, they are going to be first place in the AFC. I feel like that, like we blinked. I said they might get home field. Ago, yeah. and That's right. Yeah. It, it, and, yeah. and they had their graph. Steve was like, insisting that. Tony holding a pass. It just, <laughs> just fell out of their hands just like that. <laughs> Oh man! Wow. Listen, we the defense give us has one to more. play better too. Just in one Jacksonville. more. I mean, yeah. One, one, what else? One more Canarius Tony hit. City, Jeff. No. <laughs> Just one more Canarius Tony hit, Jeff. You oh, are rolling know. right now. Don't stop. Oh. I can't. And I, I got to go back in time. That we, I was a young man back in those days. So I don't remember so many of their songs, but you know, it doesn't rain in Southern California. It doesn't really fit what's going on there. But you know, it's uh, a lot of Tony, Tony, Tony jokes going. On. I'll think of one before uh, before the end week's over and send it to you. How about that? Perfect. I love it. I love it, Jeff. I love it. I love having you on every Monday. Appreciate it, man. City. I don't know why we didn't right. see each other. Appreciate okay, it, guys. buddy. Good seeing you. Well, listen to this. We got a triple header, Steve. A triple header on the network on Saturday. Vikings, Bengals, Steelers. Colts, I'll be there. Finishing up with a monster in Detroit. The Broncos. Versus the last team that has a winning record on their schedule, the Lions. That's going to be phenomenal. All of that on NFL Network. But we have one more segment coming up on the NFL Report. Stay with us. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but remember, we are also a show, 7.15 p.m. Eastern on the NFL channel, available on the NFL app, all fast streaming platforms. That's like Tubi, Roku, Pluto, Peacock, all of those guys, as well as the NFL channel, nfl.com slash NFL channel. We are back at the NFL Report, and if you're watching, you have figured out where to find out me and James Palmer on Mondays and Thursday. You can watch us on the NFL app, but also on the NFL channel. No, not the NFL network, the NFL channel, which is on free streaming apps, where you can find them on Roku, Tubi, Pluto, Peacock, a bevy of other free streaming apps. That is the NFL Report, Mondays and Thursdays, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also listen to the podcast and find us on YouTube, the NFL Report. All right, JP, as we get ready to wrap up this show, we know we always do this on Monday. It is the lost headlines, things that may have been overlooked during this fantastic show that we've had. What do you got for me, JP? I feel like it happens every week, Steve, and nobody pays attention to it. Cortland Sutton makes some sort of ridiculous catch in the end zone. The big receiving threat for the Denver Broncos week in and week out has made one-handed catches, tiptoe and toe drag swag type of catches. There's three people with 10 or more touchdowns in the league this year. Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, and that man right there, Cortland Sutton. Well, I've got to go with the chief. No, not the chiefs. The chief. Browns tied in David Njoku. We're talking about Joe Flacco as we should, but Njoku comes out in this big win on Sunday. He has... Six catches for 91 yards, two touchdowns, including this dandy, explosive plays. Joe Flacco has himself a tight end. Again, this Browns offense is rolling, JP. You get the last word as we get out of here on our Monday Week 14 edition. Well, I did his pro day, and he did the interview topless, and I've never been more physically imposed in my entire life than standing next to David Njoku after a solid workout. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.